The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour... President Biden targets Russia and inflation in his first State of the Union address. This is our moment to meet and overcome the challenges of our time, and we will. Russia moves further into Ukraine, claiming capture of a port city. And the war sends oil surging above $110 a barrel. New Jersey residents may soon have to pump their own gas. Plus, New York's Republican Party leaders nominated Representative Lee Zeldin as their candidate for governor. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The baseball lockout continues. The first two series of the season were canceled. Road losses to the Nets, Islanders, and Devils. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. futures higher this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 24 points. Dow futures up 182. NASDAQ futures up 92. The 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. Yield 1.74%. And the yield on the two-year 1.39%. NYMEX crude oil is up 4%. Nathan. Karen, we'll have more on markets in a minute. But first, the fighting is intensifying in Eastern Europe. According to Interfax, Russia's defense ministry says it has captured the Ukrainian port of Kherson. Moscow is pressing ahead with attacks. Meantime, the U.S. is taking more action to isolate Russia and also prevent cyber attacks. Amy Morris reports from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The U.S. government has banned Russian aircraft from American airspace as the U.S. and E.U. look to expand sanctions on Russia. Former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine William Taylor tells ABC those sanctions should extend to Belarus. They are co-conspirators. They are together with Putin. This as the Senate fast-tracked a package of cybersecurity proposals. The House is working on a companion bill. U.S. businesses are on high alert for Russian cyber attacks. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. We're coming off President Biden's first State of the Union address last night. And in his speech, the president promised to take on Vladimir Putin and keep supporting Ukraine. He thought the West and NATO wouldn't respond. He thought he could divide us at home in this chamber, in this nation. He thought he could divide us in Europe as well. But Putin was wrong. In remarks that lasted a little more than an hour, the president also called on Congress to unite on challenges here at home, including higher prices. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. 
The president touted his bipartisan infrastructure law and called for new action on domestic manufacturing and supply chains, lowering health and family costs, and boosting competition. He also promised to keep fighting COVID even as more Americans return to work and school. Well, reaction continues to pour into the president's State of the Union, Karen. Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno is a political science professor and a Bloomberg News contributor. I think he missed an important moment. This is the last big speech Joe Biden will give, the last major audience he has before the midterm election. And I'm not sure he changed on the domestic front any hearts or minds. And I think he could have done a better job saying we need to restore democracy, not just abroad, but at home. Bloomberg contributor Jeannie Shanzano says the number one issue for voters right now is inflation. And Republicans seized on that topic after the president wrapped up his speech. Nathan, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds delivered the GOP response to the State of the Union. We're now one year into his presidency, and instead of moving America forward, It feels like President Biden and his party have sent us back in time to the late 70s and early 80s. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds used her 14-minute address to say the country's on the wrong track. She focused on issues ranging from inflation and crime to taxes and education. Let's turn to markets now. We are seeing major moves in commodities as the war in Ukraine intensifies. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John? Nathan, oil surging this morning. Brent crude was hovering around $110 a barrel. The International Energy Agency warns that global energy security is under threat because of Russia's war on Ukraine. In addition to energy, metals and grains prices are higher. Russian commodities are not targeted by sanctions, but banks are pulling financing and shippers are reluctant to touch anything from Russia. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, more of the world's iconic brands are pulling away from Russia. We get more on the growing list live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Apple and Nike both say they're halting product sales in Russia, cutting off the country from the most valuable tech company and the biggest maker of athletic wear. Walt Disney and Warner Media are pausing new movie releases in the nation. It's a cultural and commercial split not seen since the Cold War ended in the 80s. U.S. brands are quickly vanishing from the Russian marketplace in a way that'll be hard for consumers to ignore. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Well, how will the war in Ukraine affect the Fed? We'll be looking for answers on that, plus the outlook for inflation when Fed Chair Jay Powell begins two days of testimony to Congress. Bloomberg economics correspondent Michael McKee reports. Inflation in February, out next week, is forecast to be the highest since the start of 1982. So there's pressure on the Fed to do something. But what policymakers don't know is how much higher prices from Russia's war will crimp growth. Those are questions Chairman Powell will face the next two days. And it's not just a growth worry. Powell also has to worry about higher inflation expectations becoming embedded in consumer and business psychology. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Michael, thank you. The U.S. dollar also in focus today. It's been strengthening since the war in Ukraine began, and the shift could mark a critical inflection point for the greenback, as according to Zoltan Pozar, head of interest rate strategy at Credit Suisse. Now that Russia has lost access to currency reserves, he says other countries may start questioning the value of their own reserves, and that could ripple across currency markets. The FX reserves are partly used by the central bank to be able to provide dollars to the domestic financial system. And if all these balances are frozen, you know, one channel of of dollars to help the local banking system uh, dries up. So I think it's quite a complicated situation. 
Zoltan Pozar with Credit Suisse made the comments on the Bloomberg Odd Lots podcast. Read more about it on today's Big Take by Bloomberg on the terminal and online at Bloomberg.com. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Global Analyst helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Try IBKR Global Analyst today at IBKR.com slash GA. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's now 6.07 on Wall Street. 42 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with a crash on the westbound LIE. It's at Maurice Avenue. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here to tell us what's going on in New York and around the world. We're getting pumped about one story you've got, Michael. Oh, my goodness. New Jersey drivers could soon be forced to pump their own gas. New Jersey is the only state in the nation with a section of Oregon where drivers are not allowed to pump their own gas by law. But a bill in the state legislature could allow self-service as an option for smaller stations while maintaining full service for stations with four or more pumps. Station owners say changing it would help offset rising gas prices and worker shortages. New York City's pension fund for police officers voted to sell stocks and bonds issued by Russian companies. The $53.6 billion fund has more than 85,000 active members and retirees. Hong Kong is set to report a record of over 50,000 daily new COVID infections today. The city's spiraling outbreak has seen thousands of residents flee, while those remaining emptied store shelves of food and medicine. U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin, an ally of former President Trump, accepted the New York State Republican Party's nomination as their candidate for governor for the 2022 gubernatorial race. Beto O'Rourke is projected to be the Democratic winner for the Texas gubernatorial primary. He held a victory rally in Fort Worth last night. This group of people, and then some, are going to make me the first Democrat to be governor of the state of Texas since 1994. O'Rourke will go up against incumbent Governor Greg Abbott, who won the GOP primary. Republicans sent a message. They want to keep Texas the land of opportunity and prosperity for absolutely everybody. Governor Abbott spoke to his supporters at a Corpus Christi victory rally. Tulsa, Oklahoma is searching for more remains of victims killed in the city's 1921 race massacre. University of Florida forensic anthropologist Dr. Phoebe Stubblefield said one grave held the remains of a homicide victim. Burial 27 had multiple gunshot wounds that contributed to his death. He had a minimum of three gunshot wounds. He was a young man in his 20s. The city says it will not file criminal charges. The moon is about to get slammed by a big piece of space junk and leave a crater the size of several semi-tractor trailers. The leftover rocket will slam into the far side of the moon Friday. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, for the first time since the strike that canceled the 1994 World Series and went into the following season, baseball games will be lost to the work stoppage. The lockout continues in the first two series of the season. Canceled. Two sides had a marathon bargaining session Monday. That led to an extension to the deadline and some optimism, but things apparently did not go well yesterday. The commissioner is Rob Manfred. We worked hard to avoid an outcome that's bad for our fans, bad for our players, and bad for our clubs. I want to assure our fans 
that our failure to reach an agreement was not due to a lack of effort by either party. The players came here for nine days, they worked hard, they tried to make a deal, and I appreciate their effort. Yankees were to start the season with seven road games, Texas, then Houston. The Mets' first two series were at home versus Washington and Atlanta. The games will not be made up. A lot closer for the Nets against the Raptors. Toronto won by 36 in Brooklyn. Same two last night in Toronto. The Raptors won 109-108. They had a 10-0 run in the fourth quarter. Nets have now lost 15 of their last 18, just as the Knicks have. Knicks play in Philadelphia tonight. Nets play Miami tomorrow. Kevin Durant is expected to play. He's been out since mid-January. Islanders in Colorado. The Az with their NHL leading 40th win. They scored three in the third and won 5-3. Devils lost in Columbus 4-3. The WNBA fined the New York Liberty half a million dollars. Their crime was flying their players on chartered flights instead of flying commercial as league rules dictate. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures up 24 points now. Dow futures up 183. NASDAQ futures higher by 97 points. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. The yield 1.75%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Almost 6.12 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit a tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning, and European stocks erased their losses after the Kremlin said Russia is ready to resume talks with Ukraine tonight. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 171. NASDAQ futures up 95. The DAX in Germany is little change now. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds, yield 1.75%. The yield on the two-year, 1.40%. NYMEX crude oil is up 4.8%, up $4.97 at $108.36 a barrel. Brent is up 5% at $110.15. COMEX gold is down 7 tenths percent or $13.50 at $19.30.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.1090 against the dollar. British pound, one. Point three three zero eight, and the yen is at one fifteen point two six. And Bitcoin this morning is higher; it's at forty four thousand one hundred ninety dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden gave his first State of the Union address from the Capitol last night. The president opening with a message of global unity against Russia President Vladimir Putin. Putin is now isolated from the world more than he has ever been. Iowa's Republican Governor Kim Reynolds offered up the GOP response to President Biden's address. Reynolds portrayed the GOP as the party of freedom and choice. Because you know, you've shown that the soul of America 
isn't about who lives in the White House. Reynolds asked people to think about the last year of Democratic policies coming from the White House. The scheduled opening day for Major League Baseball has been canceled. No deal was reached between the players and teams yesterday to end the lockout. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost. The Celtics and Wizards won. In the NHL, the Devils, Islanders, and Bruins lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. We are coming up to 620 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And with the war in Ukraine now into a seventh day, we're joined live by Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. Roz, good morning. Get us up to speed on the latest developments on the ground. Again, apparently Russia's reporting it's taken a key port city in Ukraine. That's right. That's the city of Kherson in the south, um, which is one of the biggest cities in Ukraine and obviously on the port, which makes it an important conduit uh, for trading commodities in the region. Uh, Russians, Russia's defense ministry is saying that its forces have taken that city. There's not been a confirmation from Ukraine, although they did acknowledge that there were Russian troops moving into the city overnight. There are also reports of heavy fighting in Ukraine's second biggest city of Kharkiv, that paratroopers from Russia moved in there overnight alongside heavy shelling. Of course, the big one, the big question here is at what point troops move properly into the capital, Kiev, with that very long convoy that's been inching its way along uh, difficult road conditions towards the capital and meeting fierce resistance along the way from Ukrainian fighters. Of course, there was bombing of the city through the day yesterday and again overnight, just showing how much Russia is ramping up its aerial bombardment campaign to try and accelerate progress here inside Ukraine. And even as we are seeing the signs of uh, heavy resistance from Ukrainian forces, we're also hearing calls from Ukraine for uh, allies to do more, calls for even a no-fly zone. I mean, that's a pretty big ask uh, for the uh, allies of the U.S. and Europe, isn't it? That's right. In fact, we just published a story on this a very short, a few minutes ago, showing why a NATO no-fly zone it's very difficult to get off the ground. Of course, doing so uh, would require NATO planes to be policing the airspace and to be trying to stop Russian aircraft from entering. So at that point, you're putting NATO aircraft in direct conflict with Russian aircraft. And that just risks, of course, this conflict spiraling from what it is already, which is a terrible war inside Ukraine, to being a full-on conflict uh, between NATO and Russia. And that's in that scenario, then you're bringing the entirety of Europe into a potential war. Because no-fly zones have been used very sparingly over the years. They were used over Bosnia. They were used over Iraq, I believe, over Libya as well. But setting one up over Ukraine in this moment would be very fraught for NATO. And so that's been a very firm no so far from the military alliance. So it seems as though the response from the alliance has been to provide more military support uh, for Ukraine in terms of equipment and sanctions pressure on Russia. We've seen a growing number of companies cutting ties to the Russian economy as well. Are we getting a sense at this point that that's actually having any effect on Russia's strategy? Not that we can discern on the ground, given the acceleration, if anything, of the campaign. It seems that the Russian president is determined uh, the way to push on with his goals for that country, which seem to be to achieve total regime change, the way he's laying siege, of course, to Kiev and particularly to the government of the president. Zelensky shows that. So there's no sign that this is deterring him. Of course, some of these sanctions, it's worth noting, 
especially in the SWIFT financial sector, do not kick in at least for another 10 days. So by the time they kick in, it's very difficult to know what the situation on the ground might look like by then. But certainly right now, there's no great incentive for him to de-escalate. Only about a minute left here, Roz. I've seen some headlines that uh, Russia is talking about another round of talks with Ukrainian delegates. What more do we know about that? We know there have been another, a, a couple of rounds of negotiations over the last couple of days. So, so far, there was a round of talks on the Belarus border between ministerial uh, level negotiators from the two countries that um, came away ostensibly with nothing as far as we could see. They returned to their capitals for discussions. Russia has said it's sending some negotiators back. There's been no confirmation from Ukraine that it's doing the same and that further talks will indeed happen. Of course, with Ukraine now calling to become a member of the European Union, the very idea of Ukraine. Ukraine neutrality has to be completely off the table. So what those talks, if anything, could achieve is very difficult to see. If anything, they're possibly an effort by Russia simply to buy time to sort of suggest they're talking, even though there's no possibility of an agreement. Thanks, Roz, as always, for keeping us up to speed. Rosalind Matheson is our executive editor for international government for Bloomberg News. Right now, S&P futures are up 23 points. Dow futures up 167. NASDAQ futures higher by 99 points. The 10-year Treasury down 730 seconds, yield 1.75%. Just ahead, how the United Nations is responding to the war and the oil market reels at the risk of supply disruptions. Five things you need to know to start your day coming up on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny, upper 40s today. Chance for a shower tonight. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds tomorrow. Breezy, low 40s for highs, only upper 30s by Friday. Right now, 42 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions as 12 to 18 basis points and no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Up first, the fighting is intensifying in Eastern Europe. According to Interfax, Russia's defense ministry says it has captured the Ukrainian port of Kherson. Moscow is pressing ahead with attacks. Meantime, the United Nations is sounding the alarm on the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the latest. The body says almost 700,000 people have already fled Ukraine and say as many as 4 million may leave. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Russia should not be on the Humanitarian Council. These are the human rights abuses this council was created to stop. If we cannot come together now, when will we come together? The U.N. forecasts Russia to step up attacks from targeted to more widespread and more brutal. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. You're coming off President Biden's first State of the Union address last night. The president says Vladimir Putin has no idea what's coming. He used his speech to rally support for Ukraine and to confront the challenges here at home. We'll meet the test, protect freedom and liberty, expand fairness and opportunity, and we will save democracy. 
president said getting prices under control will be his top priority. He touted his bipartisan infrastructure law and called for more action on domestic manufacturing and increasing competition. Well, speaking of gas prices here, Nathan, we're seeing crude surge again this morning, and we get the latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, Brent oil has topped $110 a barrel. The International Energy Agency warns the situation is serious. Now, while sanctions haven't targeted Russian crude, banks won't finance, and shippers don't want to touch it. About 70% of Russian crude trade is currently frozen. A strategic oil reserve release has done little to tame prices. And OPEC Plus meets today, but it's only expected to increase production by a trickle. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. John, thanks. How will the war in Ukraine affect the Fed? We'll be looking for answers on that, plus the outlook for inflation when Fed Chair Jay Powell begins two days of testimony to Congress. Listen for that live on Bloomberg Radio and Television beginning today at 10 a.m. Eastern. And on the corporate front this morning, Nathan, shares of Nordstrom are surging. The department store operator up more than 30% after earnings in a forecast that topped estimates. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And futures this morning are moving higher. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 41 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with that crash in the westbound LIE at Maurice Avenue. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New Jersey drivers may soon have to pump their own gas. The New Jersey legislature introduced a measure that would allow residents the option to pump their own gas or continue with full service from an attendant. New Jersey doesn't allow drivers to pump their own gas by law. Many drivers love the full-service law, but station owners say changing it would help offset rising gas prices and worker shortages. A mask mandate for students in schools ends in New York State starting today. Governor Kathy Hochul says that new cases have dropped 98%. The mandate is still in place for New York City students for now. It's a milestone Hong Kong does not want. According to local media, the city will report more than 50,000 confirmed COVID cases today. Hong Kong's spiraling outbreak has seen thousands of residents flee while those remaining strip shelves of food and medicine. There were demonstrations about a controversial bill in Florida. Protests were held outside City Hall in Miami Beach as Florida's so-called Don't Say Gay Bill advances. The measure aims to ban speaking about sexual orientation or gender identity in schools. It's extremely harmful to queer youth. No child should feel that they are not respected. Supporters of the bill say it's not to demonize certain groups. Just says that we don't talk about these sorts of things till the kids are out of third grade. The measure is officially known as the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Democratic challenger Jessica Cisneros has forced a primary runoff in South Texas against conservative Democrat Representative Henry Cuellar. Neither candidate last night got more than 50% of the vote needed to win outright. The race was among the most heated in Texas's first in the nation primary. Meanwhile, Democrat Beto O'Rourke had a good night in the Texas gubernatorial primary. I feel extraordinarily lucky to be here with you tonight. It looks like from the early returns, I will be your nominee for governor. He held a rally in Fort Worth. O'Rourke will face incumbent Governor Greg Abbott, who also had a good night winning the Republican gubernatorial primary. We will not let them win this state. 
Governor Abbott spoke to his supporters in Corpus Christi. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street, and John Stashauer has the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. Opening day was to be March 31st. Yankees in Texas, Mets at home against Washington. Those games and all of the first two series canceled. The baseball lockout, ninth work stoppage in MLB history continues. You can't help but get the feeling this might last a while. Both sides blaming the other. The commissioner is Rob Manfred. From the perspective of the commissioner's office and the clubs, um, we are doing our very, very best to try to reach an agreement. Um, unfortunately, it's not something that's solely within our control. It takes two parties to reach an agreement, and we will continue to be committed to that process. The Players Association put out a statement that called this the culmination of a decades-long attempt to break the union. It's Chief Tony Clark says the players have never been so united. The biggest issue, the competitive balance tax that helps smaller market teams and what a team's payroll would be at to start paying into that tax. Nets went to Toronto. The unvaccinated Kyrie Irving normally plays road games. Not this one. He's not allowed to cross the border. Raptors won 109-108 to sweep the home-and-home. James Johnson led Brooklyn with 19, but he missed a game-winning shot at the end. The Nets have now lost 15 of 18, just like the Knicks have. Islanders lost at Colorado 5-3, and the Devils lost in Columbus 4-3. Rangers host St. Louis tonight. NFL scouting combine underway in Indianapolis. And new Giants GM Joe Shane admitted to reporters the Giants are not in good salary cap health. Shane needs to shed about $40 million. He admitted he'd listen to trade offers for Saquon Barkley. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. John, thank you. <laughs> 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta is with us on a morning where we're Seeing stocks rise for a change, but I mean, the real story this morning, Creedy, is the surge continuing in commodities. What's got your eye this morning? Yeah, it absolutely is. I think you nailed it on both fronts. First off, coming into the office this morning and seeing green on the screen yeah, is a quite very a change, strange right? thing. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and, and underneath <laughs> the hood, one of the major movers is, to your point, those commodities and specifically the commodity uh, complex and those stocks. I mean, take a look at what's moving here. Occidental OXY is your ticker up 3% in the pre market. Cotera Energy is another one. CTRA up 6.2%. Baker Hughes, BKR is the ticker, up 2.2%. Halliburton as well. HAL up 2.2% as well. The common theme between all of these, and I've been saying this over and over and over again, these are the companies that have way more domestic exposure than a broad exposure. If you're looking at the commodity complex right now, looking at whether or not you want to get not only Russian oil supply, but oil supply from any part of the world, the biggest bid from especially oil-consuming nations like the United States, China, India, is to find the sources kind of domestically to look inward rather than um, globally. And that, of course, is going to be an inflationary practice, driving prices even higher, but also driving the energy stocks higher as well. But with that, you're also seeing a reversal in yields, which is a pretty big move. The 10-year yield now up three basis points. It was actually down, at, I think, at 10 basis points at its lowest point yesterday. So you are seeing a lot of volatility in the bond market. But today, with a rise in yield, you are seeing it take some of those bank stocks higher as well. Bank of America, BAC is your ticker, up 1.3%. City, a similar story, up nine-tenths of 1%. Uh, Wells Fargo, WFC is the ticker there, up eight-tenths of 1%. So really, once again, those value trades coming back, but not necessarily because of a recovery, but more because um, just kind of reversal of what you saw yesterday. 
Are we seeing uh, changes in volume with this rally? We are seeing changes in volume, but remember, as you start to see uh, selling, selling will always have more volume than a buying will. So if you see less volume today, that's just because we've had such a aggressive couple of weeks, and I should say start since the start of the year of selling where you have seen that elevated volume. But today, it'll be interesting to see if we keep that same amount of volume, but perhaps in the other direction that might signal a little bit of a more sustainable turnaround. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta keeping us on top of the pre-market action. And let's take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of the open. Yes, we are seeing futures move higher with S&P futures up 31 points, Dow futures up 232 uh, points, and NASDAQ futures are higher right now by 110 points. The 10-year Treasury is now down 930 seconds. The yield, 1.75%. Yield on the two-year, 1.40%. And a lot of the action still is in the commodity space with NYMEX crude up 4.9%, up $5.11, $108.55 a barrel. Brent above 110 at $110.52. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunshine, upper 40s today. Chance for a shower tonight, but we'll have a mix of sun and clouds tomorrow. Breezy, low 40s. Upper 30s for highs, partly sunny by Friday. Currently 41 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. Futures higher this morning. We have the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green, helped by reports that Russia said it's ready to resume talks. Dow futures currently up 212 points. S&P has gained 30. NASDAQ futures up 113. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.75%. Gold is down 17. Oil is surging again. And Bitcoin is up by half a percent. Japan fell 1.7% overnight, while European markets are trading mostly in the green this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.15, ADP employment change. And at 2 o'clock, the Federal Reserve releases its beige book. After the bell last night, Salesforce guidance beat estimates, and Nordstrom reported is trading higher by 34% in the pre-market. Wrapping things up, Chevron raised to buy over at DZ Bank. Allstate was raised to buy at Goldman Sachs. And C3AI was raised to neutral over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Day seven of the Russia-Ukraine conflict dawned with Russia continuing its attacks on crowded Ukrainian cities. Last night, President Joe Biden, in his State of the Union speech, gave his support to Ukraine. We're giving more than a billion dollars of direct assistance to Ukraine and will continue to aid the Ukrainian people as they defend their country and help ease their suffering. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds gave the GOP response to Biden's address. The president tried to paint a different picture tonight, but his actions over the last 12 months don't match the rhetoric. It's not what he promised when he took office. 
Governor Reynolds did say all Americans must stand united in solidarity with the people of Ukraine. The scheduled opening day for Major League Baseball has been canceled. No deal was reached between the players and owners. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost. The Celtics and Wizards won. In the NHL, the Devils, Islanders, and Bruins lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes infrastructure-ready graduates from civil engineers to transportation specialists. If it's infrastructure, NJIT grads are building it. More at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Hong Kong is set to report a record of more than 50,000 new coronavirus infections today. That's according to local media. The city's spiraling outbreak has led thousands of residents to flee. Meanwhile, those who stay are stocking up on food and medicine. Although Africa has contributed relatively little to the planet's greenhouse gas emissions, the continent has suffered some of the world's heaviest impacts of climate change from famine to flooding. According to a new United Nations report, the reverberations of human-caused global warming will only get worse. It predicted that Saharan flooding, heat, and drought will increase. Africa's rich array of wildlife and plants will decline, and glaciers on its most iconic mountains will disappear in coming decades. And the moon is about to get walloped by three tons of space junk, a punch that will carve out a crater that could fit several semi-tractor trailers. The leftover rocket will smash into the far side of the moon at 5,800 miles per hour on Friday, away from telescopes prying eyes. It's been tumbling haphazardly throughout space, experts believe, since China launched it nearly a decade ago. And that's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. The morning after a State of the Union address in which President Biden vowed to confront tyranny in the war in Ukraine. President calling his top priority getting prices under control and his plea for unity colliding with the reality of a still bitterly divided America. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins now, part of our team covering President Biden's first State of the Union address. Emily, good morning. It's good to have you with us. We saw lots of uh, bipartisan applause when it comes to the president rallying support for Ukraine. But when it comes to the domestic agenda, uh, maybe not so much in terms of bipartisanship. Yeah, there didn't really seem to be a lot of of lines that really got both uh, Democrats and Republicans on their feet that weren't about Ukraine. Uh, Biden, you know, he, he talked a little bit about the Build Back Better plan without ever saying Build Back Better, but he went through the components, lowering drug prices, elder care, home care, child care, um, climate change. But at the same point, he didn't really pick out any of those particular elements and really kind of hold them up as sort of telling Congress, this is the priority. This is the piece that needs to get done. And after the speech, we heard from Senator Joe Manchin, who didn't seem swayed at all by by Biden's calls to do anything on that front. Manchin's still very concerned about inflation, about bringing costs down for Americans. And while Biden tried to argue that policies like lowering the cost of prescription drugs or helping Americans with child care would help Americans' families by bringing costs down. Uh, that argument just didn't seem to, to hold sway with one of the most important people uh, in getting this legislation passed. 
So it seemed as though the president wanted to sort of reset his agenda with the calls for Congress to do more on certain pieces of the uh, economic policy agenda. He also needed to boost his own standing. Did the president do that last night with his speech? How was it received? Well, we'll have to see exactly what the polls say um, as far as how President Biden was viewed. I think there were a couple major components there. I mean, obviously, President Biden's approval ratings, uh, they've been down. I think when I checked yesterday, I saw that um, only 40 percent of Americans approve on how he's doing, according to uh, an average of polls from 538. Uh, one area that Biden's uh, kind of been focused on a lot, where we saw that bipartisan support last night, was on Ukraine, um, taking a really strong tone, saying that the Justice Department was going to go after the oligarchs and seize their planes and their luxury apartments. That was a pretty big applause line, um, as well as announcing that the U.S. would not permit Russian planes uh, to use U.S. airspace. So sort of two big components there and sort of a continuing crackdown on Russia and on Putin. Beyond that, the one of the things that uh, really caught my ear last night was President Biden talking about the police. Uh, he specifically said that there needed to fund the police, not defund the police, which has become a bit of a, a catchphrase that's been used against a number of Democrats. Um, and that was actually an applause line. I saw Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy, uh, Steve Scalise standing up, applauding that. And I think that really speaks to the fact uh, that Democrats know that Republicans are going to make crime a big piece of the upcoming midterm elections. And this is a way for President Biden to kind of get out in front of some of those attacks and give some of his more vulnerable Democrats the cover that they need to be able to go back to their constituents and say, you know, Democrats are supportive of the police and are supportive of lowering rising crime rates. And typically after a State of the Union address, the president goes out and starts to campaign on the agenda to some extent hitting the road. Is the president going to be doing that today? Yeah, we're going to see President Biden go to Minnesota. We're going to see Vice President Kamala Harris head to North Carolina. Uh, you know, one thing that Biden has said is that he wants to get out more this year, uh, that he wants to um, talk to Americans more, that he wants to get outside of, of Washington more. And uh, strategists who I've talked to have said this is Biden's strength to really get up there and be talking to the American people. Um, he's someone who, even though his approval ratings are low, that a lot of Americans still like. And you see that with uh, Democrats who are going to be facing tough races this November, still being happy to, to be seen with the president and, uh, you know, welcoming the president, hugging the president. Uh, that doesn't happen uh, if you have a very unlikable figure in the White House. Only about 30 seconds left here. Unity agenda was something that stood out to me. How's that being received, the idea of a unity agenda? I think there's a little dose of reality to go in there. I mean, yes, um, definitely there's an acknowledgement that there needs to be bipartisanship. And if you look closely at what the House and Senate have been focusing on, you can actually see that they have focused on a number of bipartisan bills and, and have put those forward in the recent weeks. But I think there's also a timing element we have to be aware of, Nathan. The first primary of the midterm was last night in Texas. Uh, the midterms are, are here, and that means that it's going to be more difficult to pass any legislation going forward. Mm. Uh, it's just sort of the time on the clock is, is quickly running out. All right. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins this morning after the State of the Union. Thanks, Emily. Karen?
Nathan, it is 6.56 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. March is Women's History Month, and every day this month we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now with your installment for March 2nd, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in women's history in 1903, the Martha Washington Hotel opens in New York City on East 29th Street, making it the first hotel in the area exclusively for women. All the employees were women with chaperones and a hostess on site at all times. Men, even doctors and priests, were only allowed on the first floor restaurant. The opening of the Martha Washington Hotel was the peak of more than 50 years of poor treatment of women travelers in the United States. Prior to the Civil War and during the 19th century, people looked at female guests who traveled alone with suspicion. So the Martha Washington Hotel marketed itself as a venue catering especially to women traveling or visiting New York alone. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And futures this morning are on the rise. And Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrell, and Lisa Abramowitz is straight ahead. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.